Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joel. If you guys haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up. And make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob. And you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. As usual, I got some guests with me today. First, we got George. What's up, guys? Then right after that, Brian. What's up? Jake Talk. What's going on? And last but not least, Orchard. Hey, what's going on, guys? So let's get started with today's episode. Last game, the Miami Heat beat the Washington Wizards by 15 points. Leading the way, you got Jimmy Butler with 32 points, five assists, four steals, and three rebounds. Bam Adebayo with 20 points and nine rebounds. Gabe Vincent with 18 points and three assists. P.J. Tucker with five points and five rebounds. And Kyle Lowry with eight points and 12 assists. According to the injury report, Tyler Hero did not play as a result of an apparent wrist injury, but despite his absence, Miami was able to get the job done, improving to 11-5 and while currently being the best team in the East as this pod is being recorded. After watching this last game, what's your reaction to the Heat taking care of business? Kick us off, George. I think I can speak to everyone saying it was a really... Um... No, really good showing. Everyone played their part. They played the part well. Um, I was especially fearful of Tyler being out. I just thought he's had a spark off the bench. Um, when I started, when I started, I'm getting it. If Duncan's shots are not falling, which it wasn't earlier on, um, you know, and Jimmy, if Jimmy got into foul trouble or Bang got into foul trouble, it's really important to have that one player that comes off the bench um, to get that spark. But we got it from a pretty you know, unreliable source, but it's been good to see him. Um, it was great to see him yesterday with his it was Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent was my player of the game. Um, to come off the bench when you're not not necessarily a scorer and have 18 points of so 50% shooting, I think it's really um you know, it's really exciting, it's really happy, it's good to see because the more players that we can rely on deeper into the season is the more the more games we're gonna win. Um I take it that uh, Tyler's not going to be out for much longer. I think he'll be active for the next game. Bam played well. Um, I thought he probably would have played a better, a bigger part, but you know he did his job. He only missed five shots the entire night. Um, 
I, I just think that everyone's clicking. All the games are uh, falling into our favour when we're re- relatively healthy, which is good. We've got you know plenty plenty more games to go, so it's going to be great to see what's going to happen from here. Right, Jay. Talk. What about you? Uh, yeah. Everybody played their part last night. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler did his usual thing. He's definitely up there for MVP right now. MVP race. Uh, Bam had a really great game. I think they got him going early, and he just kept pushing it and pushing it, which was really well needed for this team, especially on a night where we didn't have Hero. I feel like he attacked Montrez after he had a really, really good start in the first quarter. He just kept giving it to him, kept putting on moves. And, you know, as George said, Gabe Vincent had a really, really great game last night, which was, like, really expected. I mean, not really expected, unexpected, considering the season he's been having. Uh, P.J. Tucker, you know, he's been a really surprised with all the, like, the development as the season goes by, like he's been having a really, really good year. Like I seen like a stat line where he's having like the best offensive season of his career, and he's like what thirty six. I just think that's really great for him. And Kyle Lowry, twelve assists. You know how he's been the biggest impact player like out of the whole season. Like the addition as an addition, uh, he's been making sure everybody's up in the points department. And yeah, it was a great win, all around great win against a really, really good Wizards team this year. Right. And then uh, the Orchard, how do you feel? Hey, uh, you know, it was a great win. You know, in the second half, we really improved. I'll be honest with you. You know, in the first half, I was a little bit nervous. Um, Offensively, we weren't just we just weren't there. You know, we only had two three pointers and the Wizards this season. They've been pretty underrated. So I was kind of like, if we keep something in the second half, we're not going to win. But, you know, I thought the Heat did a great job in the second half offensively and defensively. You know, they're able to make great improvements and it resulted in the win. And, you know, uh, just like what George was saying before, you know, Gabe Vincent came up pretty big for us when we needed it. You know, without Hero, we're missing we're missing a critical bench player, you know. So to see that so there's other Heat players that can, you know, substitute for Hero's absence is really promising for me to see. And overall, it's a great win for us. Right. And Brian? Uh, yeah, I think it was a really good win. I mean, the Wizards have been a pretty good team to this point. I mean, they they were at the top of the East prior to last night. So, I mean, I think that for me, the biggest takeaway was the bench. I think that Jimmy Bam and Kyle kind of did what we expected them to do, but the bench has been a point of contention basically all season. And prior to the season, we thought that that would be a point of weakness outside of Tyler Hero. But to see guys on the bench step up, Gabe Vincent, Caleb, Caleb Martin, uh, you know, I think it's a real, real positive to see that hey these guys can fill valuable roles in the absence of Tyler Hero and I think that going forward we can expect that bench to get even stronger um, when Victor Oladipo gets healthy so I think it's a really really positive sign of things to come right I agree 100 percent you know to watch Miami take care of business against a team like Washington who at the time was number one seed I mean it was amazing you know and to do it without Tyler Hero as well, like you guys mentioned, that's a big deal. You know, we know what Tyler has been doing this year. So to get the job done and to do it as a blowout and everything, I mean, what else could you ask for? So anyways, but like moving forward, I now want to focus on this four-game winning streak that Miami has been on. In this past week, Miami has shown how resilient they are when it comes to beating teams without certain key players. 
They beat Utah on the road without Jimmy. They then blew out an OKC team, but this time with Jimmy and Bam out, while then beating the Pelicans without Bam and Kyle, following up with this most recent win without Tyler. So with that in mind, how impressed have you guys been watching the Heat take care of business without their best players? This time you start us off, Jay. Yeah, um, as Paul always says, he thinks that depth is uh, one of our biggest strengths as a team. And it hasn't showed besides Tyler off the bench. But uh, as of recent games, you know, we have recent players out like Bam, Lowry, Jimmy with the uh, injury. And our depth has really stepped up. And we're beating down on teams that we're supposed to beat down, which is what, which is what good teams do in this league. Um, I think the four-game winning streak – uh, is really well needed after a, like a bad showing of a West Coast trip that we should have won a couple games, but you know, like a four game win streak, not too bad after that West Coast trip. Uh, also, um, I think the death gets bigger, I mean, uh, better as the season goes on. I think Gabe Vince is gonna start getting more comfortable with his role. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, right? Brian, what about you? I'm impressed. I mean, I think that. They probably should have won the Pelicans and uh, OKC Thunder game regardless because those are two of the worst teams in the league. Um, but I think that beating the Jazz without Jimmy is is a major sign. Uh, same with the Pelicans. I mean, I think that they're still a pretty good team even without Tyler Hero, so I would have expected them to be competitive in that game anyway. But still, Tyler Hero has been amazing this season. He's been a really big part of what they've been able to accomplish. So to go in there and beat the number one team in the East without him, I think is, is, is amazing. Like I, I think that this team really has so many weapons and so many strengths and legitimately four guys who can be your leaders on any given night that if one of them is out, you know, you still, or one or two of them are out, you still have, you know, a really solid team that can compete with anybody. So I think that this team over these four, uh, over these past four games has really shown that it's a versatile team. It's a team that, you know, isn't just reliant on Jimmy or Bam or Tyler or Kyle. It's a team that really, really can beat you in a lot of different ways with a lot of different players. Um, and if it's not one of those four core guys, then maybe someone off the bench is going to have a surprising game for you. So I think it's, I think it says a lot about what this team has been able to accomplish over these past four games. I agree. And then what about you, Orchard? Uh, I'm really impressed with the team. You know, last season, we couldn't even afford one person from our roster to be injured because if even one person was injured, we were losing games. So, you know, to see this season that we're still able to win games when we're not fully healthy is amazing. And yeah, I know, you know, we're playing teams that aren't exactly the best teams right now in the league, but to see that we're still a stable team, like we lost to the Pistons last year. So to still see that we can win games is really impressive. Um, I think we also saw that Hero is still a good player, even if he's starting. You know, he started for a couple of these games. And I think I already assumed he'd be a great starter, but I just think that these couple of games just proved even more that he's productive off the bench and even the starter. I do still think he should be coming off the bench, but just a great thing to keep in mind. Uh, and overall, you know, just I think our first halves have been a little bit slow, but in the se- if we just keep the same energy that we've been keeping in the second half in these past four games, I think we're on good track. Right. George? Yeah, I just want to point out as well how good our defense has been, especially over this four-game stretch. Um, we kept the, you know, we kept the Jazz at 105, but if we actually finished out that game, we didn't, we didn't do what we did last time, 
which was give up a massive lead to the Jazz in, in the fourth quarter. We, we would have kept them under 100 easily. Um, the Thunder were kept to 90. The Pelicans were kept to 98. And the Wizards kept to 97. I think defensively, we, it's something we can really hang our hat on as a team. <clears throat> I think that even when our offense isn't going, which it, for some reason this season, it's been extremely difficult to get into an early groove. Uh, I think there's only one or two games where we've physically had a really strong first quarter uh, performance. And that can be detrimental to the team if you don't have the mental capacity and the mindset to move forward. I think this team's achieved that knowing that, you know, there are going to be times that you can and you can and you can't have a good quarter due to whatever reason. People aren't dry, the shots are falling. Um, other teams just reading your 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 plays better for whatever reason. I think it's really important to point that out that we're just defensively a powerhouse at the moment. Also, that I want to um, elaborate on a point that Orchard made as well. Last year and the year before and the year before that, we used to give up massive amounts of points to the most ridiculous teams. And it's no disrespect to you know the other teams that everyone's got a franchise, everyone's got NBA talent. Um, on their on their team, but there are games that you should close out, and there's games that you should, you know, ha- have some difficulty with. The Thunder and the Pelicans, are 100. You need to walk into that game saying, "This should be a win, but we're not going to do it unless we're playing at, at a level that's optimum." Which is really important for a team to take away because it's a really demoralizing thing to, to, to lose to a team that you see is 14th or 15th in the standings. When you're chasing the number one seat, you need to take care of business, whether it's on uh, at home or on the road. It's extremely important to take those games into consideration. We've got a really, really favourable um, schedule. We do have the, the, the Bulls in three games time. Um, but I don't see why we couldn't take it, you know, why we couldn't find this team, uh, you know, find our win, find our stride, get a lot more wins. But it's just all about working on the chemistry and working on who we are as a team and who we can rely on and who is going to carry the team in the in those such situations. I agree 100%. And I'm just so grateful that we're not in those type of situations where, like you said, where we were, you know, about to lose these ridiculous teams in the past, you know, like last year, I remember Orchard, you brought up we lost to the Pistons. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was a blowout at home. Like that was insane to think about. And, you know, to come in here and to just take care of these teams and, you know, blow these teams out, you know, when it's time to take care of business. I think that shows you like that alone and how serious this Heat team is compared to the team that we've seen in years before. So it's honestly a great sight to see. And I know, um, Jay, you had something you wanted to add in. Yeah. Um, you know, y'all mentioned last year, the year before we used to lose the trap games, like the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, we used to lose all those games, but this year, you know, it's been different. We're making sure we're beating those teams down and not looking back at the end of the season and be like, we should have won those. You know what I mean? Also, uh, I think, after the Jazz game, the executions and coaching has been better. Uh, that's something we have had trouble with, and I think it's only going to get better. Like um, in the fourth quarter, um, the fourth quarter last game against the Wizards, um, they kept bringing this one play where they would have PJ as a screener, no Butler or Lowry screening each other, and one of them would cut. And I just think that was like 
a play that kept working. So they kept running it and running it and running it. And I think like we were able to pull away from that. And I just think it's been better. I think we're going to keep getting better as the season progresses and we're going to get healthier. We still haven't seen a healthy depot yet. I think he's going to come down, come back and make a big difference on his team. I agree. And then I know George, you wanted to say something else. Yeah, I think the common denominator in those losses last year was the fact that we used to just find ourselves coming against coming up against a, a guy, doesn't matter <clears throat> if he's averaging 12, 15, or one point a game, that comes in and we'll have this ridiculous performance and demoralize the whole team. We call them heat killers. There is a lot of them. They are annoying. But I feel like this year, besides Malik Monk in for, for the Lakers, we really haven't found ourselves finding a player that's open in the corner due to like poor switching and things like that. I think that we've improved a lot. I still see us making the same mistakes every game um, earlier on in the first half. It's, um, it's really important to find those players, guard them properly and give them respect that they're due. Like yesterday we came up against Corey Kittsburg and I don't know about you. I've never heard about this guy in my entire life. And in the first half, he, he, he packed the stat sheet and um, I thought this guy's going to go for 25 and we're going to lose. But we, we recognized that we made the adjustment. Spo made the adjustment um, to guard the three a lot better in the second half. Um, but it's just important to figure out who these players are and, and teams know that defensively we're extremely, extremely strong. So if they can find someone to exploit that, they will. But it's just good to see that we're handling our business better this year. Right. You know, so that's the thing. Miami is taking care of business, and that's all you could ask for from this team. You know, right now, I honestly do think we are one of the best teams in the NBA. Like I said earlier, as of right now, while this pod is being recorded, we're the best team in the East. I'm hoping by the time that this pod is published on all the platforms that Miami will still be the number one seed. So who's Brooklyn playing tonight? Who is it again? It's, um, I don't We're know. playing but... the Magic, but uh, KD's out. Okay, so I don't know. Uh, Terrence Ross, I know you like killing the Heat more, but if you could just help us out and take care of the Nets tonight, especially with KD being out, that would be great. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to cover that. And now moving on, I now want to focus on Duncan Robinson's three-point shooting. So the last episode we recorded, you know, we were on this three-game losing streak and Duncan was going through a massive slump behind the arc and he would respond to that by having shot 40% from the three-point line during this winning streak after shooting an abysmal 28% during the four games before that. Considering all the hate that Duncan was getting about a week ago, how do you guys feel about the way Duncan is currently performing right now? Give us your take, Orchard. Oh, I want to say that, you know, he's definitely improved on his shooting. And I think one of the biggest reasons that, you know, his his struggle came from was the new basketball that they uh, put into place. You know, if you look, if you actually look at the stats, you know, a lot of good three-point shooters in the league were actually struggling in terms of their three-point percentage with the new basketball, you know, Duncan just had the same exact problem. Uh, and, you know, now he's doing great, as we've been seeing. Um, he did struggle a little bit in the last game, but he was being heavily guarded. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, he was not getting free shots. I think the 
Wizards were just doing a great job locking him up. Um, but that's great because it sets up other players to make shots. Um, and, you know, I think it's just a matter of it's just a matter of getting used to new basketball. Any of us who play basketball, we know that if we get a new basketball, it's it's kind of tough to get new get, getting used to shooting with that new basketball. So I, I just think that it just takes a matter of time to getting used to it. And Duncan's doing a great job um, getting into the uh, transition of this uh, new basketball the NBA has introduced. Right. George, how about you? Yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can tell you right now, uh, Duncan was on the receiving end of a few of my messages over the last few uh, few weeks. And it's not because <laughs> I don't like him as a player. It's because I, I honest to God, have never been more excited about a, a, a second round, you know, um, a, an undrafted rookie coming into our, besides um, Richardson. I just, I had such high expectations. And I think when you when you do something like break the record for the fastest of 500 threes, you just expect something. Now that, that, that's, that's, it's a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very selfish thing to think because it's not my NBA career at the end of the day, it's his, but at the same time, I just want the best for him. The last few weeks has been incredible. In my opinion, there are times he's been struggling, but I feel that it's not because he doesn't care at, at, you know, it's not because he doesn't care or it's because he's, his mind's somewhere else. The last few weeks when his shot hasn't fallen, you can see he's, visib- he's visibly frustrated. And it's a good, you know, as sad as that is, it's, um, it, it's, it's also a good thing to see because the more you care is the more you'll do something about it afterwards. Um, he had to hit a three at half and I wasn't mad at all because his game defensively was flawless flawless absolutely it was really good to see him it was coming up with steals he was switching at the right times he wasn't leaving shooters open like he usually does that's what i was really upset about the fact that even when your shot's not falling you can impact the game in other ways and he wasn't doing that at all he wasn't impacting the game in any capacity until the last few uh, three or four game weeks um where he came up came up big against um utah but I feel like he, as a player, is strong enough now and he's, he's very – he's a competent player on both sides of the floor now. So if he can do that, which is get get his – even if his shot's not falling, if he, get, if he can get his confidence on the defensive end, which would then translate to him getting better shots as well, um, the team will do what they need to do to get him the shots. It's just about dropping. Um, I watched the, the halftime um, shoot-around and missed three or four shots, and he was cracking it. He was losing it. Um, then Haslam and Struess were just feeding him the ball quickly, getting him his looks, with the, way, the looks he'd get in-game, and he was knocking them down. Looked a lot happier, came out in the second half, and did his job. So I, I'm not worried about him anymore. Um, I was definitely an advocate of, of cancel the long shot pod and trade Duncan Robinson. I wasn't that train. I've now jumped off. Right. And this just shows, you know, how quick things can change. Like we literally recorded the last part a week ago and, you know, we, we saw how much hate he was getting in that time frame. So to see all of that go away in such a short time span, I think this just tells you, you know, how, you know, slumps will happen for Duncan. This probably won't be the last time this season. You know, we just got to be patient and just know that, 
he's incapable of a lot more things and that we can't just use small windows to really judge him. So now, Brian, how do you feel? Oh, I, I was never worried in the worried in the first place, like <laughs> at any point about Duncan. My whole thing was I, I just I think that as sports fans, we want instant gratification, right? We want things to happen right now, but it's not happening now. It's the end of the world. And I'm sure that a lot of athletes feel that way. I'm sure Duncan at times feels that way. Like, if he misses a three, I'm sure that there's times where he's like, I am, I am trash, right? But, like, the dude made over 500 threes in two years, right? Like, he shot over this past – I mean, his first season only played 15 games, so I don't really count that. But the past two years where he was, like, an, like actually playing – uh, significant minutes the guy shot 42 percent from three his one basketball skill his whole life has been a, he, he is he's been an elite shooter like if Duncan Robinson was the same height right had every other basketball skill that he has now except that he was a mediocre three-point shooter he wouldn't be in the NBA which is not me trying to put Duncan down it's just me trying to point out the fact that he is such a good shooter that his one ability basically separates him from being a $90 million, you know, NBA player to being an accountant, right? So I, at no point was I worried about it. He was slumping, yeah, but, like, everybody goes through slumps in every single profession or anything that anybody does. No one's going to do – you could be best in the world at anything, and there's probably going to be a point in time where you don't achieve that thing at as high of a level as you normally would. Um so, yeah, it was only a matter of time. Like, I didn't think that Duncan had just magically forgotten to shoot. That would be unprecedented. <laughs> so, like, he's, he's getting back to what we all thought that he could get back to. And maybe this season he doesn't even crack 40%. That's fine. But he's still probably going to have nights where he goes, you know, six of eight from three. And nobody should should bat an eye at it. You know, as long as he still has the ability to bend the defense like he can. Um, and he will because he's an amazing shooter. I'm not tripping over it. Like, Duncan is, uh, Duncan will be fine. Yeah. Right. And Lola. And by the way, guys, Lola is joining us. Thanks so much for joining us right now, Lola. How do you feel about Duncan? I know you've been a strong advocate for him. Yeah. Like, I just heard what Brian was saying, and I completely agree. Um, I'm glad somebody else has some sense when it comes to Duncan because. On my timeline, I was seeing so much BS that I see every season with Heat fans. Um, they always pick someone. They just choose someone, and they start picking on them. And I I get it. I get it. Like, when you see a shooter in a slump, it's frustrating because you know what he's capable of. And you know that, like, in these games, um, threes are a big part of Miami's game, especially where they put Duncan in the – in the offense, um, he's a priority. Spo loves um, putting him in plays, so it's frustrating when he's missing. But you can clearly tell when a three-point shooter is in a slump, and that's all it was. We all know how Duncan is. He always has a slump somewhere in the season, and this just happened to me early in the season, which is better for us anyway. And on top of that, um, I was kind of watching Duncan closely and I realized, like, this season, like, his shots have been kind of weird. Um, The way he shoots them, he usually just squares up with his feet put together. But I kind of saw him, like, turning and in these, like, awkward stances that I've never seen him do before. So maybe just something he's trying to learn 
how to do, which are like these like off balance, weird shots. It's either he's trying to learn them or he's just not getting on quality shots. Um, I'm not too sure. I just like find it kind of weird. I've never seen him do that before. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen these like weird position, like his feet being like him turning around the corner, but his feet being kind of in an awkward position. And I know as a three-point shooter, how you set your feet is so important. So I don't know if that affects his shot or not, or if that's just like what he's trying to learn to shoot like. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Right. And George, I know you put in all caps that you want to add, so I'll let you quickly hop in. It was basically like <clears throat> when you're at school and you got your hand up really high and then you put both hands up because everyone adds something. Um, <laughs> I I definitely agree with, with Lola. I think it's um, – it's a really important thing to get your feet right. I just felt as well, when the, and, and I've been feeling this for a few game weeks, I heard um, the commentators talking about it yesterday. Um, his shot looked so rushed, and his release was such, was the most sloppy thing I'd seen in the first few few um, first few uh, weeks. And that's why I was more, the most concerned, because there's no way that a good shooter, or the, the shooter that we, we come to expect, would do that. But, I just I just had to realize it happens, you know, but he wasn't getting the shots he was getting last year, and I feel like it's a different um a different setting. It's a different um you know it's it's a lot different for a player to go do that on a nightly basis when they're when they're now getting paid the big bucks to do it. Now that sounds like a joke because you know it, it, he's getting paid ninety million dollars to do what he's doing, but I I just guess it must have had an effect on him. But when that when he does start to get it going, you can see he takes his time. Um, his release is pure. It's like butter. And that's what we've come to expect. And that's what I love to see from him. Right. I agree 100%. And what about you, J-Talk? Yeah. Uh, Duncan was at an all-time slump right before the Jazz game, I believe. Um, he really picked it up. Uh, but it's not like if he's struggling, he's unplayable because he's really gotten better defensively. Like his instincts, when, when to hell, when to not. And he's learned how to take charges, which is like, so he's really not playable anymore. Like, if he's struggling offensively, he still brings it defensively. But obviously, having him shoot, which is his craft, is an amazing addition back to having this team. Um, shoot or shoot, man. That's what he, that's what he kept doing. He kept shooting as his teammates told him to do, and he's right back to where he is. He struggled last game, but the game plan was like one of the Wizards' game plan had to be. With Duncan Robinson because they were guarding him heavily, tightly, and but like I, I don't mind that. Like as Brian said, it opened up a lot for especially Jimmy. Like having Duncan on another side of the corner while you ISO on another corner, like that opens up a lot for like a Jimmy ISO or a Bam ISO, especially inside the three point line. So I don't mind it. He's not unplayable. He plays great defense, not not great defense, but he plays decent defense at least. And he as long as he's bringing that gravity on offensively, I don't mind it. Right. I agree 100%. You know, I think us as Heat fans, we just needed to take a deep breath and just let Duncan do his thing. So, you know, to see him improve from the three-point line in these past four games, that just shows, you know, how much we as fans got to relax. I know there's going to be much better games for him as the season progresses, and I can't wait for that, to be honest with you. So now that we covered Duncan, I now want to introduce a new segment for Heat vs. the World, and it's called the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. For this segment, I want each of you guys to decide 
which specific heat players should receive recognition just in case there's a certain guy who hasn't received enough attention by us on this pod so far. With that in mind, who is your spotlight heat player of the week, Lola? Um, it's hard to pick one because, you know, like, especially this week, um, different players have been playing different games. And I would love to give it to Tyler, but I know everyone's going to give it to Tyler. So I kind of want to give it to Jimmy only because, you know, as always, I got to push my agenda and that's always going to be the gym VP agenda. And I got to push it now because the earlier you push it, the better off it's going to be. And, you know, Miami already is not good at advertising anything. So um, because the way he has been playing is just phenomenal. And, Honestly, if we're not just looking at these games, but looking into the playoffs and things like that, um, to win a championship, you're always going to need your best player to play his best game. It's the formula. Yes, everyone talks about the bench, and we're always talking about our bench and the other players and things like that. But at the end of the day, we need Jimmy to be Jimmy in order for us to make it far, just like we needed him to be Jimmy in the bubble. and. He's showing us he's literally playing his best basketball right now. Like we're witnessing that. And we finally feel like we have the supporting cast that he needs to go as far as we can take it. And all of this is happening at the right time. And we just I just need Jimmy to continue on what he's doing. And on top of that, I also want to put out there that a lot of these um, great players are struggling right now because they cannot get a foul call. And we see firsthand that Jimmy has always gotten legitimate foul calls because he's still getting them because he gets those, you know, physical fouls. Um, He's just a really, really good, great player. And he's showing that. And when he plays, I know he missed some games, but when he plays, you can clearly tell who the best player on our team is, who is the reason why we are winning. And for that, I think he should win the most valuable player this year. Right. Yeah, defensively and offensively, he's putting it out there. So as much as I love Tyler, the things that Jimmy is able to do both defensively and offensively and has been leading our team with with the intensity, I have to give it to him. Right. What about you, George? Look, I'm going to go a different route here. I, 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 obviously, we're going to talk about Bam, Jimmy, Tyler. Kyle Lowry and players like that. I'm talking more about the unsung hero, the people that often come off the bench and they do their job and they do it in such a way that it revitalizes the entire team from head to toe of the roster. Um, so I'm actually picking two, and that's Udonis Haslam and Caleb Munn. And I know you're probably thinking Haslam has barely played in his career, but you know what? He he played an amazing role for us against the Pelicans. And just the confidence that if a 41-year-old, a 41-year-old, 19-year-old vet can come in at will call and do what he did the other day, which is revitalize the fan base and the entire roster, it's an amazing thing to see. It, long gone is the is the um, is the Haslam blob. So Haslam blob on the on the end of a Tyler Hero bad pass where he fell out of court, but. What he does for us is give us this veteran presence and, and some guy that said, you know what, I've been here for three championships. I've been here 
for you know for these many years and i'm i'm i can do it and if i can do it at 41 you can damn well do it too and caleb barton let me just say what a steal this man has been coming up a two-way contract from charlotte he left his brother um i i when i heard about the signing i'm like uh, it's probably whatever you know, he'll play like five minutes a night the athleticism is Derek jones jr.s and his ability to, to rise up to get that quick block and to, to, to make the fans, you know, fans love it. He, he makes good passes. He shoots the ball qu- quite well. It's got, he's obviously got a lot to improve on his, in his game. But I, when I look at it, these are the players that we, we call off of the bench, the Caleb Martins of the bench to come up, like him and Max Struess would do it as well, to come up, hit that big shot, um, you know, get that defensive play. He, 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 he does work so damn hard. For a player that's making minimal money in, in NBA standards to come off the bench and just do everything, they're gonna they're gonna have to trade. They, they're gonna have to um to give him. You know, I, I love having those types of players off our bench, and I felt like when we lost Eric Jones Jr., it was a very sad, um, sad day. But you need those impact players. You need those energy players off the bench. So yeah, that, that's my player of the week. I'm gonna give it to um, Martin and Hazel. Right. Jay Talk, what about you? This one, uh, it's pretty simple to me. It's definitely Casey. No, nah, I'm just playing. Uh, I would go uh, Jimmy, but, um, you know, it's pretty expected from him. Uh, I, I'll take a different round and go with Gabe Vincent. Um, I don't think people really expected him to step up the way he has this past few weeks, but he has. Um, this is what he fans had expected from him before the season started have this kind of role that he's having right now he's not really much of a scorer but like we need him to be like that facilitator next to Kyle Lowry to stagger minutes between Jimmy like so we don't between Jimmy and Lowry so we don't have to like have a playmaker out there at all times so when they get their rest like he's able to facilitate the offense whether it's getting bound the ball getting here the ball and he's like he's done that really nicely these past few games it started off I think in the Thunder game where he's been getting heavy dose of minutes and he's just Fend out role nicely. Um, he's definitely going to get more minutes coming up. Uh, I just think he's been a really, really good piece this uh, past week, and I think it should continue. It should continue trend to turn trend upward upwards. And I can't talk, but yeah, shout out Gay man. Right, and then Brian. Uh, I think I'm also going to go with Caleb Martin. I think that you know coming into the season for me even though Caleb Martin was on a two-way contract, he got signed to a two-way contract, like he's been a decent NBA player for two years. So, you know, he was, he was the steal of the two-way contract. Obviously. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you every two-way contract off of the top of my head or how well everybody is playing, but I would assume that he's probably been one of the best two-way players in the league to this point. Um, He's definitely, he definitely deserves a standard contract whenever the heat feel it's going to be financially, you know, uh, viable for them to do that. I honestly, the the thing that kind of scares me the most is that you can only spend what 50 days inside the NBA. So I'm kind of wondering what they're going to do when those 50 days are getting, are, are coming close to, are coming close to a, to a close, because I, I would imagine that they're kind of coming up close to that deadline. Right. Um, but what he brings is like a controlled chaos almost defensively, you know, on, on offense, just kind of filling gaps. You know, he's not the best shooter, but, you know, he'll, he's willing to take open threes. Um, 
and yeah, I, I just I'm really impressed with what I've seen from him. He's a legit prospect. Um, and like I said, like he deserves that that standard contract. He deserves some actual minutes off the bench. Right. And then you, Orchard. All right. This is going to sound biased because my name is Jim VP versus the world. But I got to go with Jimmy G buckets. You know, you know, he's been injured for the past couple of games. And what does he do when he comes back? He drops a 30-point triple-double without Bam and Lowry. I mean, it gave me those bubble vibes. I, You know, I think Jimmy Butler definitely deserves the player of the week. And not only did he drop 30 against the Pelicans, he did it again. You know, back-to-back 30-point games is really impressive to me, uh, especially when you're coming off an injury. And I, I know it's not a serious injury, but still, you know, getting back into your rhythm can take time. So, you know, to see Jimmy Butler come back and, you know, be able to draw fouls well, knock down his free throws and be very effective in general offensively and defensively is just great. And, you know, we know that he is right now, uh, I believe he's second in the league right now in free throw attempts. And I think he's knocking down most of them. He could practically say he's number one because I'm pretty sure Giannis intentionally gets fouled a lot, but you know, it's kind of what Lolo was saying before. He's just really smart at drawing those fouls. You know, they're not like flop calls or anything. He's just really smart, knows exactly how to, just knows exactly how to smartly draw those fouls. And yeah, I just, I think he's player of the week and I don't think it's being talked enough about. And he's just, I don't know. He's so critical to the heat. And I think we all know that, but yeah, he's my pick for sure. Right. And then Lola, I know you want to add something. Yes. Um, I just want to say like, we, we should definitely also be giving Tyler props because he did hold the fourth down. Uh, when Jimmy wasn't playing and I realized like nobody picked Tyler <laughs> so I just want to make sure like we let everyone know like Tyler did the best he could possibly do on uh, in Jimmy's absence to like hold down the fort but like I but not even just Tyler I wanted to bring up PJ Tucker because I feel like this whole season he has been so important defensively and like it's not talked about enough in my opinion um and he's shooting 45% from the three, which is, like, kind of surprising. Um, and his floaters have been really efficient. Um, I just think he's so important, like, already. But I just know how important he's going to be in the playoffs. And he just fit this team so well. And he deserves way more praise for what he brings, which is not even on the offensive side, but, like, defensively. Um, he's so important and he's so impactful. And I think he deserves some praise. So, yeah. For sure. Right. I agree 100%. You know, they don't call us the dogs for nothing. You know, that's why, you know, they call this Heat team the kennel. And honestly, that's the truth. You know, this team is just filled with dogs and everything. And no, I'm not going to bark, George, please. I'm. Not, it's wild to be barking <laughs> on the podcast. So, um. Yeah. Anyways, uh, and before we move on to all our listeners who are watching on the Five Reason Sports YouTube channel, if you have a spotlight heat player of the week of your own, please comment down below and tell us who. So now before we close it out, Miami will be heading to Washington as they get ready for their second consecutive meeting with the Wizards. After watching what went down last game, what are your expectations for the heat in this Wizards rematch? And what is your overall prediction for the game? Start us off, Orchard. Uh, you know, this time we're not at home. We're going to be on the road. So definitely need to have a lot of improvements. You know, let's let's try not to have a 
bad first half. Um, not to say that we've been having really bad first half. I just think we're having an average one. And I just think we need to produce more, especially because, you know, again, the Withers are an underrated team. They definitely are a team that can beat us. And, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is no longer on the injury report for the Wizards, if you guys don't know. And he has been a big player for them. So I definitely think we need to be prepared for Dinwiddie. Uh, Bam and Bam and Hero are both questionable for tomorrow's game. So, you know, assuming Bam doesn't play, uh, we need to make sure that Deadman tries to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, I think that was one big problem when Bam was out. You know, Deadman had to sit on the bench because he was constantly in foul trouble. And with Hero, if he's out, we need to make sure that our bench can be as productive as they were in the first uh, matchup between the Wizards and Heat, where our bench, like people like Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent, were able to produce a lot. So, just a lot of replications. And I think, I, I just think in general, uh, our performance in the second half from this Heat versus Wizard game. We just got to keep that same energy for this game, and I think we'll be good. I agree. And then how about you, Brian? Uh, I hate predictions, man. But uh, yeah, I don't know because I don't know if Bam and or I don't know if Bam and Tyler are going to play. If they're both out, I feel a lot less good about this game because again, the Wizards the Wizards have been good, especially if uh, Dinwiddie's coming back. Uh, but I'm going to be positive and assume that they're both back. So if that's the case, I'm going to say that he blow out the Wizards, because why not? I love it. I love it. I love the guts taken from Brian. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's a rare guts moment for you, Brian. I always feel like you're more of a realist, so I actually appreciate that right now. Yeah, and I try that- to be. This is uh, <laughs> yeah, Everybody should buy a lottery ticket, because this is a very special day. Let's go. I love that. So shout outs to Brian for taking in the guts for once. So now that we got the guts take by Brian, how about you, RJ? Yeah, um, I think it's going to be more of a same game, uh, defensive game. Uh, you know, just keep playing through Jimmy, man. Uh, if you keep playing through Jimmy, we should have another great game. I think Bam and Tyler plays tomorrow. I'm just positive about it. I got to keep a positive energy. I think they both play tomorrow. I think Jimmy has a another thirty point game. I had this, I seen a stat uh, that Brady posted that um, he's one short away from tying his career high of consecutive thirty point games, and I think he's gonna tie that up tomorrow. Um, yeah, keep playing through Jimmy. Uh, yeah, pretty much it. I think we blowed him out too. Right, and Lola. Yeah, I agree with everyone else. I think they should play through Jimmy like they did the last game. Um, take. Keep taking those advantages. Um, nobody seems to be able to guard him that well anyway. So I would do that. Try to um pay attention to Kuzma. Um, other than that, like I really feel like as long as Bam and Tyler play, like everyone else said, this should be a winnable game. We kind of have our advantages against them. Um, I think like Orchard said, um, we have to start out early. Um, I feel like they're a type of team that if you start out slow. And you get into a kind of a hole. It's kind of harder to get dig yourselves out of, especially with like Beal on the team. He's a big weapon. So as long as they start out early, just like they did the last game, I think this should be very winnable. Mm-hmm. And George. All right. Um, I'm I'm just gonna say that last time we did this prediction, I did a prediction before a pod. Um, there's a high chance that we go out and we blow the game because we did this against the Celtics and then the Celtics 
drove us into a hole that we couldn't get out. Um, if I'm going to be realistic, this is going to be a very difficult game. We're going back um, to their home. They've just uh, – we just um, came off a really good win, but they've come off a really bad loss to them, to themselves. They thought that they could play better, obviously. So it's going to be um, – it's going to be a very interesting battle about who wants it more. We obviously have the better team. We've proved that yesterday, but I'm saying that this is the time to go out there and prove that we we can do it again in their home. Now, I think that Tyler plays. I think that Bam plays as well. I think Spolstra will recognize the fact that we've got a very, um, you know, a, a very fine-tuned roster that he needs to play the plays he needs to play. And that makes, that makes no sense when I say it like that, but Bam is extremely crucial to, to blocking out um, Harold, who's been a, a near all-star this year, and Tyler coming off the bench um, yesterday would have made everything ten times easier. So we're going to see, um, you know, we're going to see who's got the, you know, who's got the better chance to do it. But we'll see from then. Right, and then I know Orchard, you got something you want to add? Yeah, I just want to quickly add one thing. Uh, just one thing to look out for, you know, in this first matchup with the Wizards and Heat. Uh, you know, we got 24 free throw attempts. And the problem is that I don't expect us to get that many attempts in this game um, tomorrow. So, you know, I think we need to make sure we're ready to, you know, just offensively be able to knock down our shots because I, I think we'll get closer around to the same amount of free throws. I just don't know if we'll get as many as 24. And, you know, the, I think the way to go is turnovers. You know, you got to take advantage of the Wizard turnovers. They had 17 turnovers, which is a lot in the last game for the uh, uh, Wizards, obviously. So I think the goal here is that take advantage of turnovers, score on them, and just try not to rely as much on free throws because we might not get as many as we'd hope to get. Right. I agree 100%. And, you know, I believe that this game will be a lot more competitive than the last game. I think Wizards will come out with more of a fight than last game. You know, so, however, I'm going to take the route that Brian took. I'm going to also have the guts and say this is going to be a blowout win for the Heat. Hopefully that's the case, and, you know, we'll see what happens. So, with that being said, before we close it out, does anyone else have something they want to add, or are we ready to call it an episode? I think I'm good. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for this episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. If you want to check out more Miami Heat content, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HBTW Podcast. And you can also check out our new website. It's called HBTWpodcast.wordpress.com. We got some new journalists and everything, and we're going to be posting a lot of content on there as well. And with all of this being said, we'll see you guys very soon with the brand new episode. We out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.